Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome everybody to episode 37 of Push Dose EMS. Back on schedule this month with the uh, brief special edition uh, with the Nemesis 3.5 update just a couple weeks ago. Joining me is a fairly regular cast of characters. Uh, going down my list, I have uh, System Medical Director, Dr. Ben Weston. Dr. Weston, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here. And I see EMS Division Director, Dan Podra. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Jeff and friends. And a uh, couple new voices joining us. Uh, we have uh, Assistant Medical Director for Quality and Education, Dr. Tom Growey. Dr. Growey, welcome. Hey, good to be back. And joining us for the first time and for a couple episodes to come now, our EMS fellow, Dr. Eli Dahlstrom. Dr. Dahlstrom, welcome. We'll give you just a moment to say hi to everybody listening and give us a little bit of background. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Eli Dahlstrom. I'm the EMS fellow. Uh, I'll be working with everyone with Dr. Weston and Growey and uh, Angle uh, over this coming year. Um, I'll be involved with this podcast. I am originally from Iowa, have done training in Iowa and Missouri, now up in Wisconsin. Uh, I'm loving every minute of it, and I'm excited to work with you all. Uh, hopefully, I see you in the field. Certainly, if you see me, come say hi. Thank you, Dr. Nashram. Uh Certainly welcome. I know you're into month two now, so we're looking forward to working with you for the next year. Uh, before we jump into anything too topical, we'll go to system updates. Anything from you, Dan? Yeah, Jeff, I've just got one announcement um, on our OEM website. If you are doing anything with community engagement, specifically around CPR training, we have just released one of our public-facing dashboards um, and that is uh, intended to complement any of the content that you are providing to really demonstrate how bystander intervention, there's a clear value and benefit to providing that. So just for an example, um, the national save rate, we all know, is right around 9%. We're just a little bit higher than that here locally in Milwaukee County. But when we start to dig into the numbers, um, we see that if someone receives hands-only CPR and just chest compressions alone, that rate starts to climb up to about 14%. And then if we really get someone engaged with an AED early, uh, even before EMS arrival, uh, we see that survival rate shoot up to about 55%. So um, that tool is there. It's supposed to be brief and easy to digest, but also interactive. So uh, go ahead and visit our website and get some time clicking around and playing with it. And please uh, distribute that as you do lots of continuing education or community-facing education with your community. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Uh, a lot of really great work happening around data and getting that out parsed down and easily readable by our folks out there in the community. So it's a great resource to have. And then before I turn it over to Dr. Growey and Dr. Dahlstrom, a uh, message from medical direction, Dr. Weston. All right. Thanks, Jeff. So welcome, everyone, to this month's episode uh, of Push Dose EMS. So today we're focusing on STEMI hospital notification. Uh, so this is an important topic that crosses into so many different areas. When should you call a STEMI alert? What resources does that mobilize? What are the implications there for, for patient care? Uh, and why do we only go to certain hospitals? And as a side, why do we not, not transport patients with concerning ECGs, but not meeting STEMI criteria to STEMI centers? In fact, these folks can go to all sorts of different hospitals in our system. Uh, and lastly, I want to leave you with one sentence that I never want to hear any provider in our system say, which is, your ECG looks good, so this is not your heart. Your ECG looks good, so this is not your heart. Never, never, never say that sentence. And stick with us for the next few minutes to learn why. 
So back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Dr. Weston. A lot of great questions. And to answer those questions, I'm going to turn the reins over to Dr. Growley and Dr. Dahlstrom. Gentlemen, take it away. Great. Well, it's uh, good to be back, and I'm excited to have uh, Dr. Dahlstrom here with me to talk about this really important topic. So we'll talk about uh, briefly about just the idea behind a hospital alert and then kind of get into uh, the focus on STEMI here. So Eli, why don't you start us off? Tell us a little bit about hospital alert notifications in our in our system and, uh, you know, kind of why we're going to focus on uh, STEMI alerts and why that's important. Yeah, thanks, Tom. So we're going to start this out by talking about our hospital alert notifications. You know, there's there's several of them. Um, some of the most notable ones include, you know, STEMI alerts, stroke alerts, trauma alerts. And really the important thing to note with these alerts is this is separate from your radio report that you're giving to the hospital as you are getting close. Um, this is something that you can call out early on. And it gives the hospital more time to prepare for the patient that you're bringing in. Today, we're going to specifically focus on STEMI alerts. So we want to answer a few questions. You know, what do hospitals do with these ECGs when you're sending them in? You know, how does a hospital decide if a person is going to go to the cath lab, if they're a candidate for that or not? We're also going to talk about uh, ways to handle STEMI feedback. You know, when you go to these various ERs, the docs are really, ideally, they're going to be, you know, polite and encouraging in educational sort of environment. But of course, that doesn't always happen. And that's part of the reason why we're here at OEM and we can help you with all that as well. Um, and then lastly, we want to walk through some scenarios deciding, is it appropriate to activate a STEMI alert at this time or not? Where should you go? So on and so forth. Great. So, yeah. So as Dr. Dahlstrom said, you know, the idea with the hospital alert and why these cases are particular is, is these situations where we have alerts or situations where the hospital needs to get a lot of extra resources ready. And the idea of a STEMI alert, you know, when you're calling in somebody that needs to go to the cath lab, you're talking about mobilizing a team that will take the patient to the cath lab. That might also involve pulling somebody who's who might be about to go and get an elective cath off the table to reserve that table for the person who has the emergent uh, heart attack. So there are a lot of things that happen in the hospital and all those things take time. So the earlier you can identify and activate that STEMI alert, the more time that the hospital is going to have to get ready. Um, you would imagine the time to get ready also is probably different at 9 a.m. on a Tuesday versus 3 a.m., you know, on a Sunday morning. So so the more time you can get, as soon as you get that 12 lead and you see this is a STEMI, calling ahead, sending that EKG um, so they can mobilize, even if you still have to finish all the other things, package the patient up, you know, and get them in route to the hospital will, will significantly help and will uh, significantly decrease the time from when the patient arrives to the hospital to when they actually get that get that intervention done. And so really there is a difference between your normal radio report and a pre-alert. So again, with the pre-alert, we're calling EMS Com and we're saying, hey, you know what, this is Med4. We just identified a pre-hospital STEMI and we're going to be going to St. Luke's. That's enough for EMS Com to send a page to the hospital to say STEMI alert identified in the field, more information forthcoming. Um, and that'll get things going at the hospital. And then once you're able to give your give some more information, you can do your normal 
hospital report with all the other information that's needed. But as soon as you know that that hospital is going to be activated, um, call ahead of time so EMS can start to get things mobilized. So, Eli, you want to tell us a little bit about like what classifies as a STEMI alert in our system? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a really good question and a really important thing to address, kind of the the point of this talk here. So essentially, you know, bare bones, what it boils down to is you have a STEMI alert or you should activate a STEMI alert when you have an ECG that meets STEMI criteria, plain and simple. This is not patients just who look sick, but their EKG does not uh, resemble a STEMI. There's a lot of things that can cause chest pain and that are, you know, really dangerous and life-threatening that do not meet STEMI criteria. Those you don't want to activate it, you know, the cath lab for, but you still want to treat those patients critically just as you would. So what is a STEMI? What meets STEMI guidelines? Well, we have these ACS guidelines that have been put out, um, and really it boils down to a couple of things. You need to have ST elevation that is new. Granted, you know we aren't privy to what's new and what's old in the field, but you want to have ST elevation that's new um, at the J point in two contiguous leads, so two leads within that same territory. General uh, rule of thumb, it is one millimeter of elevation in all leads, except for leads V2 and V3. Um, V2 and V3 are where we start to get a few kind of subtle differences depending on your demographics. So for uh, women of all ages, you're cut off at leads V2 and V3 only are greater than one and a half millimeters of elevation at the J point. For men who are over the age of 40, your cutoff is two millimeters. Um, and this is in, again, leads V2 and V3. And then lastly, you know, for men under the age of 40, you have the greatest amount of leniency. This now needs to have a cutoff of 2.5 millimeters to call a STEMI. The other really good question to think about with these is when should you be calling and engaging online medical control? You know, if you have a cut and dried STEMI you're seeing in the EKG, you activate the STEMI alert. Um, but there's a few things that can make interpretation of the EKG difficult. And this is where online medical control can help out. So if you have um, a patient with left bundle branch block, um, you may or may not know, you know, there's Scarbosa criteria and, and modified Scarbosa criteria that adjust what we do and do not call a STEMI. Additionally, if a patient has a pacemaker, they are going to have a different looking EKG than you would otherwise um, expect to see. Um, so that requires a more nuanced decision making. And then lastly, you know, if you if you have pretty significant noise in your uh, signal in your EKG, you know, it, it can be best to talk to online medical control and and let them help you with that decision. Lastly, you know, if, if you really just have any EKG where you're really on the fence about it and you're, you're having a tough time deciding, get online medical control involved. You know, we're happy to help you make that decision. So I think Eli brought up a lot of really good points. And what I really want to emphasize, too, is that nowhere in this uh, AHA guideline is the word ST depression. So you do not need to have ST depression. You do not need to have reciprocal changes in order to have a STEMI. It's a nice bonus when you get it. A lot of the times you'll see it, 
but you don't necessarily need ST depression to activate a STEMI. So if you don't see any, uh, you could still have a STEMI alert. The other thing that um, that will kind of hit a lot that's related to this is, you know, an EKG is a brief picture in time. And an EKG that's normal now or that does not show ST segment change, ST elevation right now, does not mean that this patient will not have a worse looking EKG in five minutes. And it does not mean that this patient's not having a heart attack or something else that's more serious that's causing their chest pain. There are a lot of different causes of chest pain. So in one study, they looked at pre-hospital 12 leads and 8% of heart attacks of myocardial infarctions of STEMIs were found not on the first EMS 12 lead, but on serial 12 leads that were done by EMS and route to the hospital. Okay. So 8% is a pretty high percent of patients that we won't, that we don't want to miss. And this kind of really important importantly gets to the fact of what Dr. Wesson was saying, where just because your ECG looks normal, doesn't show any STEMI, does not mean that the patient is not having a heart issue. Okay. ECGs change. It's a brief picture, a brief photo in time. All right. Um, so don't be falsely reassured by a normal ECG and, you know, go say to a patient, oh, everything is okay. It's not your heart or this chest pain isn't anything serious. And then one final point I want to make about that is doing a four lead is not the same as a full 12 lead. So if you really want to, want to evaluate somebody for a MI for a STEMI, you need to do a full 12 lead ECG. If you're only doing a four lead and looking at half the heart, you're missing all those precardio leads, which are great places where you can see STEMIs, great places where you can find other signs of ischemia um, that you'd be missing if you don't get all of the leads. So Eli, let's say that, you know, we call a STEMI alert, we've got someone, they've got an inferior wall MI, and we're taking this patient to one of our STEMI hospitals. You know, what happens after we call a STEMI alert in the field? Good question, Tom. So this this is really kind of, you know, important for the EMS crews to understand a bit more of the process. When you call in a STEMI alert, you know, the, the hospital gets the alert initially and they let the ER know about this uh, STEMI alert coming in. Chances are that a doc is going to review the ECG and decide to activate the cath lab. There is still some data pending on all that. Afterwards, the cath lab will get notified by the ER that we have a you know suspected STEMI patient coming in um, with that cardiology is also notified. This is the process through which we mobilize all those resources and you know it's it's how we get that very timely uh, response um, and appropriate medical treatment for the patient. Great. So yeah, there's a lot that happens after the STEMI alert gets activated. And the sooner that that can be done, um, the quicker the patient's going to get the care that they need um, on arrival to the emergency department. So I think that this is also a good time to just kind of mention, you know, let's say we activate a STEMI and this is a clear like inferior wall MI, you know, we show up in the emergency department and the patient ends up not going directly to the cath lab. You know, what are what are some reasons why in this setting with this guy that's clearly having an MI, you know, why they might not go directly to the cath lab, Eli? What do you think? Yeah, these are really good things to talk with the ER doctor about, generally speaking. Um, 
you know, usually what I would recommend if you're, if you're bringing this patient in and you're, you're having these questions, you know, Hey, why didn't the cath lab get activated? Um, you know, talk with the doc, you know, review the EKG with them, ask them, you know, Hey, what did, what did you see that I didn't see? You know, was there some piece to the story that, that you know about that I don't with these, it's, it's good to just go into this conversation just, just as a general curiosity, like, hey, doc, you know, we activated the STEMI on this patient for these reasons. Just curious to see what you thought when you saw the CKG. When you kind of lead that way, you're, you're opening for this, you know, educational discussion. Yeah, and I think other things, you know, some other things that might come into consideration would be um, maybe the patient's past medical history. Patients that are unstable might not be appropriate to go to the cath lab immediately. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of different things that could contribute to why someone who's KG that meets STEMI criteria, you know, in the pre-hospital setting, why they might not go straight to the cath lab and get, get an intervention. So, uh, again, just remember that there are a lot of different things that, that go into it, and you might have just a tiny piece of information, you know, with your limited amount of time. So let's kind of run another scenario here. So let's say that you have a patient, you activate the cath lab, you go to the cath lab hospital, and the cath team is there, they meet the patient, and they zoom them off to the cath lab right away. Um, you know, you later find out that this guy had a big LAD occlusion that was stented. You're feeling really great about how things went. And then you get a STEMI feedback form from OEM that says this AKG was reviewed by OEM and we don't think that it meets ECG criteria. So I, I could see how that could make you feel a little, you know, kind of frustrated, a little sore off. I mean, all these good things happen for the patient. And now I've got this feedback form that's telling me that, this should not have been activated. So Dr. Dahlstrom, what should we think? What should kind of go through our minds when we get that, when we get that feedback? Yeah, absolutely. So a few things to understand about the process. Um, first and foremost is when we from OEM are looking at this, we are looking at the EKG. You know, this is not with the patient in front of us. So, so the ruling we're making is just purely on looking at the EKG alone. It is good to note that EKGs evolve over time. You know, sometimes early in the in the whole process, you know, we may not think there's something going on. There may not be that on the initial EKG, uh, or it may be subtle. And you know, sometimes that that STEMI evolves, and we see it more. And and the patient goes to the cath lab later, or you know, we decide later that you know the cath lab needs to be activated. But also, you know, patients go for other reasons. There's, there's other reasons that will bring a patient to the cath lab. And, you know, sometimes, you know, NSTEMIs will also go to the cath lab. Uh, you know, there, there's a multitude of, of uh, things that cause us to go that direction. So, yeah, and I think my thought would be, you know, take things with a, you know, with a little bit grain of salt and again, kind of leading with curiosity and, and these STEMI feedback forms and really any feedback you're getting from a STEMI form from any of our feedback forms or from the CQIP process feel free to reach back out and be like, Hey, I'd like to talk about this. You know, this, this patient ended up going to the cath lab. They had an occlusion, but it says here that you guys didn't think I should have activated the cath lab. You know, let's, let's get some more information. Um, you know, maybe we can get some info that might help us improve our process um, or just find a better way to communicate, you know, with crews. So please reach out. We're happy to do it. 
So what about this scenario? You activate the cath lab, you show up in the emergency department and they're like, yeah, this isn't a STEMI. We're not going to take the patient to the cath lab. And then you get a STEMI feedback form from OEM and it says, this was a STEMI. Great job activating the cath lab. What do you think about that? Yeah, this this is the other side to that same point. Um, essentially, uh, again, we're looking at a snapshot in time. We are looking at the EKG that you're looking at. So, you know, if if you're calling a STEMI on on something that meets the criteria that has the appropriate elevation, that's you know we're going to call that a STEMI. Uh, but frankly, there are mimics on EKG, and you know we're not privy to that from the EMS side of things. Uh, the docs in the hospital often are. They may have another reason why they expect to see this ST elevation and therefore they decide cath lab is not appropriate at this time. You know, again, this is this is information that you all in the field and we all at OEM don't always have access to. Um, and then finally, you know, ultimately it's the cardiologist decision on how they want to handle a case. So there may be something that seems very cut and dry, but they have some subtle nuance that they that they see or that they want to handle the case differently than, than going to the cath lab right now. Yeah. So definitely like, you know, even these situations where we're talking about how, you know, all this kind of boils down to this AHA criteria on a 12 lead, and it seems very objective. There are so many different factors and so many different people, you know, that get to interpret a 12 lead. Uh, so many different things might contribute to what actually happens with the patient. Okay. So let's say that you activate the cath lab on an EKG, you walk into the emergency department, and not only do they not take the patient, but the ER doc, uh, the nursing staff, the cardiologist, the secretary, whomever, whoever's there, you know, gives you a hard time and really chews out and be like, hey, what are you guys doing activating the cath lab on this case? This is clearly not a STEMI. You know, you guys always do this in EMS. You know, I don't think this happens often, but, um, you know, what, what's the best way to kind of manage this, uh, Dr. Dahlstrom? Yeah. So first and foremost, you know, of course, this is, this is the interaction that we hope doesn't happen, but we know probably does on occasion. You know, if you are being treated rudely, let us an OEM know. We can talk to these hospitals and, and discuss with them further about um, the interaction Again, as a reminder, you know, they often have information that we don't. You're in the field, you you don't have access to all of their old stuff, uh, the patient's information that is. So, you know, if you see STEMI on the ECG, you know, it's always good to activate that. Um, and then again, you know, just taking as much of an academic approach as you can and just, you know, pick the ER's brain, you know, hey, why why did you feel that this wasn't a STEMI or, you know, so on, you know, that can help diffuse the situation as well as, you know, just being a, a lifelong learner, constantly trying to learn more about this. But again, just to really, really reiterate the point, if you are being spoken to this way, if they are being rude or abrupt with you, um, let us know. Again, this is this is one reason why we're here is is to help stand up for you. Yeah, we have your back. We support you. Um, so let us help. Let us help with that. Okay, great. So, you know, so we just kind of went over a couple different scenarios around feedback from a STEMI. Either we activate and nothing happens or we activate and then we get weird feedback from OEM that said we shouldn't have activated. You know, so I think kind of to summarize all this, like what we're really trying to say is 
take things with a grain of salt, realize that people might have information that you don't. And we would love to talk to you about cases where you think there's some confusion. You think that the OEM feedback was wrong. You're concerned that the hospital's decision wasn't in the best interest of the patient. You know, this is how we all learn. This is how we all get better. Okay. So, um, you know, if you get a feedback form that doesn't sound right, doesn't align with what you think should have happened, please reach out to us. Please let us know and we'll be happy to follow up. We know that some of you have filled out the survey to say what you thought about the feedback forms, but that doesn't give us your info. So there's no way for us to reach back out and say, hey, it sounds like this, this feedback form didn't display the info that you think it should have based on what happened to the ER and have a conversation. So share your information with us, reach out to the quality email address and, and we'll help you out. So let's uh, kind of summarize a little bit here by just running through some specific scenarios with what an EKG looks like and, and how we want to handle it. So why don't you take us through this, uh, this first one. So the patient has an EKG that shows ST elevation in the inferior leads we're greater than one uh, millimeter in two contiguous leads. We'll say on this one too, we've got ST depression. We know it's not mandatory to activate, but we've got it, which is reassuring. So uh, so how would you handle this case if you were on the on the back of the squad? Yep. You know, this is this is your cut and dry. This is a STEMI. The second you see that on the ECG, you know, you are getting that STEMI alert out there. You're notifying the nearest uh, STEMI center and you're going there. Great. So what about, you know, we got a patient, man, this guy looks sick. And before I hook anything up to him, I'm like, man, this guy looks like he's having a big MI. So I throw a 12 lead on. Um, and to my surprise, I don't see ST elevation, but let's say that I just see a lot of diffuse ST depression. You know, it's a nasty looking EKG, but it doesn't show elevation, doesn't look like a STEMI. You know, obviously, I'm going to treat this patient, manage his symptoms, and take him to uh, to the hospital. Um, but how how would I manage this regarding you know STEMI alert, STEMI activation? Yeah, good. So first and foremost, um, the CCG it's not showing a STEMI. So if it's not showing a STEMI, you treat as such. It's it's not a STEMI. It doesn't mean it's not the heart. It doesn't mean that there's not something else bad going on. But for the sake of the activation, you're not activating and you're taking them to the most appropriate nearest hospital. It's not going to the STEMI center at this point. When you have these sorts of patients, you know, you're you're getting your serial ECGs. You know, again, the stuff evolves over time. Uh, you're intervening on other, you know, other vital sign abnormalities and other, you know, complaints that the patient has. Um, and importantly, keep a broad differential because, again, there's a lot of other things that can cause chest pain that are really scary that we care very much about. And not everything is a STEMI. And yeah, that's a great point, you know, and, and all these things that can cause chest pain that are life-threatening they can all cause EKG changes just as the heart is feeling stress from that pathology. So um, just because the EKG looks bad also doesn't mean that it's that it's a heart issue, okay? So let's say we've got a patient, they also look really sick. We throw an ECG on, get a 12 lead, and it shows a left bundle branch block or a pace rhythm. You know, we're worried that this patient could be having a myocardial infarction. What should we do here? Yeah, this this is your perfect example of there's a lot going on with this patient with their heart. Um, their ECG is going to be much more difficult to interpret than your normal, otherwise healthy person. This is where you need to get online medical control involved. You know, we can help with this. We can take a look at this and we can instruct you as we see. 
And again, with this sort of patient, kind of like the last one, consider other causes of chest pain. Not everything is a STEMI, but the take-home point for this would be, you know, when they start to have these left bundles, when they have the paced rhythm, you know, you have a lot of noise in your ECG, talk to online medical control, let them help you with the decision. All right. So yeah, great take-home points for us uh, uh, on that case. So what about a situation where this patient looks like a million bucks, but you know, I know that not all STEMI patients, not all sick patients look sick. Okay. This idea of sick versus not sick has a lot of flaws in it. So he's got chest pain. He meets the criteria and the guideline for 12 lead to get a 12 lead. And it shows a, we'll say, you know, an anterior wall MI meets the STEMI criteria you know, and Zoll's saying star, 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 STEMI, but this guy looks like a million bucks. And I'm kind of surprised that I even found this. What should, what should I do here? So this is one where you, you look at the EKG. If you have ST elevation that meets the AHA STEMI guidelines, you're activating the cath lab. You know, some of these STEMIs, patients don't, don't always present with the classic symptoms. So if you, if you have it on the, the EKG, you activate it. Um, what if I get an EKG and the Zoll says star, 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 STEMI, but I look at the EKG and I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think this meets AHA criteria. How, how would you handle that case? Yeah. So take a close look at your EKG, you know, really comb through it, see if there's something that the Zoll's seeing that you're not. It's always a good idea to get serial EKGs. Um, sometimes these things will evolve and it'll become more clear cut if you see it. You can always talk to online medical control and they're always happy to help with this decision. Great. I mean, I love the idea of just even a repeat EKG right now. You know, I've seen this come up and then it ends up being due to some kind of artifact. You repeat the 12 lead with the patient just sitting a little more still and it goes away. So great comments. Um, so what about I get a 12 lead, Zol does not say star, 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 STEMI on it, but I look at it and I'm like, this clearly meets, you know, this meets the AHA criteria. How, how should I handle that? Yeah. So, you know, the the machine's not seeing the STEMI. You're seeing the STEMI though. You know, it's meeting all the guidelines, meeting all the criteria. You activate you know, Zoll is not perfect. Uh, they do a pretty good job, but they're they're not perfect at catching STEMIs. Um, so if you're seeing it, activate it. All right. So um, a lot of good discussions about different scenarios. You know, just remember that, you know, trust your EKG interpretation abilities. Online med control is a resource if needed. Um, and if you don't see a STEMI on the 12 lead, the patient does not necessarily need to go to a STEMI center. Um, you know, there are a lot of other things that could be causing the pain. If it is a heart issue, the, you know, there are cardiology services at these other facilities that can help evaluate that. So remember that not, you know, not everybody that looks sick with a weird EKG needs needs a cath lab or a cath lab center. So, all right. Why don't you take us, take us out, Dr. Dahlstrom, kind of summarize our big take-home points of the podcast today. Absolutely. So running through just kind of the high-level points of this, first and foremost is STEMIs are classified based on the AHA STEMI criteria, not how the patient looks. So if, if they look really, really sick, but they don't have a STEMI on ECG, you know, you're, you're treating them as a sick patient, but not a STEMI patient. If they do meet the AHA guidelines, you're activating the STEMI, you're going to the STEMI center. 
the second point uh, from this is it's really important to get that early notification and activation. You know, as soon as you're seeing this, let the hospitals know, you know, that lets all these other resources get activated and, and gets people prepared so that when this patient does roll through the door, we're immediately delivering the medical care that that patient needs. When you get feedback from the ER on your STEMI activations, um, this, this can be ideally very, very valuable feedback, you know, pick the brain of the ER doc, you know, ask them, Hey, why did you, or did you not activate the cath lab? What did you see? You know, come at this with kind of that learner's sort of mentality of, of always wanting to learn something new from the patients. I promise you that'll help diffuse any, any tricky situations and, you know, lets us have a chance to just really have a good educational conversation about these. And then lastly, you know, talk to us at OEM. We are more than happy to help out and we really look forward to talking to you all. Excellent. Thanks, Dr. Dalsham. Thanks, Dr. Growey. Greatly appreciate your insights and your time kind of talking about all those alerts and what happens in the ED after we drop them off. Just to reiterate some points and saying that's always stuck with me, an EKG can only rule in a STEMI and it can't rule one out. So erring on the side of the caution and then advocating for your patients, even if you don't see it on the EKG, if they look like they're having a significant cardiac event, Make sure you engage online in medical control, as you gentlemen stated, and then call the alerts as necessary. So thank you once again to everybody for taking the time to listen. Thanks to everybody who is here to take part in the podcast. We'll see you again next month. Stay safe.